16, because this is where we've extracted the sermon context from. Galatians chapter number 6, I think they're going to get it on the screen with me here, and we're going to read it collectively together. Now, as you know, I am a King James Version pastor. Now, if you are, that's not your forte, then you have to do the interpretation yourself. But God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. The context here was circumcision especially in the previous few verses because the attempt of what we call the Judaizers was for the Christian church to become circumcised as to identify their conversion. And Paul has gone to great lengths to say whether you are circumcised or uncircumcised is really to no avail. It's about faith in God. He said, so my glory is not going to be in the mark of the flesh is what he's saying. I'm going to glory in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Come on, somebody, by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. 15th verse. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creature. And as many as walk according to this rule, notice the words here, peace be on them and mercy. He's blessing the people that receive this doctrine. Whether you are circumcised or uncircumcised, let me translate that. Whether you are Jew or Gentile, he's blessing you. Speaking, this was just not to one generation of believers. This was a perpetual generation of believers. Jew or Gentile, he said, if you walk according to this rule, may peace be on you and mercy and upon the Israel of God. There's that phrase, upon the Israel of God. Well, this sermon series, the seed of it probably started certainly a year and a half ago in our trip to Israel. And I did minister in this vein when I first got back. But it was recently that I was standing, a few weeks ago, I was standing in the um, checkout line at uh, um, F.L. Davis at the very back. And one of the workers there that I know uh, attends church very regularly, so I'm going to suppose as a Christian. They seem to have Christian character, so I'm going to suppose that, that they're a Christian. The newscast was on, and the newscast on the little monitor there was talking about some of the conflicts in the Middle East. Everybody watches that. And this person made a statement because it was about Israel, and she said this. She said, she said oh, you better not mess with Israel. That's God's chosen people. Now, that's true in one sense. But what it did for me was it brought me into the awareness that there's a lot of people that are unaware of the full effect of the cross of Jesus Christ. And they, while, you, while we're here in America, she's looking across the water and saying, that's God's chosen people, when she really maybe not even doesn't know fully what God's done in her, how God views her the blessing God's got on her life. Come on, somebody. And so I knew that that's something that needs to be addressed and readdressed. It's all throughout the New Testament. We have to open it up and look at it because we are the Israel of God. Father in heaven, bless this good word today. Let our heart and our mind and our spirit understand these things today. It's in Jesus' name I pray. All of God's children said, amen. You can be seated. Thank you for your reverence for the word of God. Now, because this is Lesson 3, Sermon 3, Part 3, very briefly, as I started uh, three weeks ago, 
I took you into the origination of even the name Israel and its application, journeying all the way back to the book of Genesis and then from there going into First and Second Kings and ultimately arriving even in the New Testament. You may remember, I'll not go through all of that again today, but it means Prince of God first given to Jacob, the grandson of Abraham. Israel, So it belonged to him first. It subsequently was added to his descendants, the children of Israel. His name was changed from Jacob to, to Israel on the night that he wrestled with an angel. He had proven his merit before God. He would no longer be known as a deceiver, but a prince before God. Come on, right? And so his descendants then, the children of Israel, that group of descendants eventually became a nation the nation of Israel, and they possessed the promised land, and they ended up establishing a covenant, two covenants. One was the Mosaic covenant, the law at the base of Mount Sinai. It was subsequent from, and in addition to, the Abrahamic covenant. It was given to the descendants of Abraham because of the covenant of Abraham. Time will not allow me today to go into the distinguishing between the covenant, the Mosaic covenant, the law, and the covenant of Abraham. One is according to the obedience of the people, and it produced failure. They were unable to keep the law. The other one was a promise made to Abraham. He simply believed God, and when he believed God, it was accounted unto him as he was righteous. Okay, it's a mystery contained in that distinction between the covenant. We also see that the Davidic covenant came forth as well, and God promised to lineage through the loins of David of a kingly lineage and we know that Jesus Christ fulfilled that come on somebody as he is king of kings and lord of lords and we made comparisons to ancient Israel and certain promises that had been made to them even under the law promises that the enemy couldn't stand in front of them how exciting that is and how exciting it was for us to look in scripture when they faced adversaries greater in height and greater greater in size armies stronger militarily stronger but not stronger than their God. Come on, no man will be able to stand in front of you all the days of your life was the promise made to ancient Israel. Isn't that a good word, church family? Last week, though, I journeyed with you back in that same vein, but I took you into the argument that Jesus ex had expressly with descendants of Abraham according to the natural seed, the national lineage of Abraham. And those were the Pharisees and the scribes. They were true descendants of Abraham in, the, in what we would call the natural lineage, but Jesus made startling statements in his argument. It was recorded in John chapter number 8 because he said this, if you were of your father Abraham, you would believe because Abraham rejoiced to see my day. He saw it and was what? He was glad. And I took you on a journey that took you up the mountains of Moriah in the 22nd chapter of the book of Genesis. We understand that it was on that day, on that particular altar, when he had laid his son out, Isaac, the promised seed, because God had spoken to him to offer his son in sacrifice, he raised his hand with a knife in it prepared to slay his son, to be obedient to God. God was testing him. God never intended for him to slay his son. God stopped and halted his hand and said, Abraham, now I know that you love me. And the Bible says that Abraham lifted up his eyes, and when he lifted up his eyes, he saw a ram caught in the thicket by his horns, and he called the, the mountain Jehovah-Jireh, in the mount of the Lord it shall be seen, or the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. Amen. So Jesus said, let's connect this, John 8, Jesus said, your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. 
So what it tells us, when he saw that ram caught on that mountain in a thicket by his horn, he didn't just see a physical ram, he saw a prophetical ram. My God, I felt that. He saw the day coming when Jesus would die on that very mountain range and his blood would be spilled. God fulfilled his word. He provided himself a ram or a sacrifice. He rejoiced to see my day. He saw it and was glad. His reproof for the, his uh, Jewish brothers is that they're descendants of Abraham, but they don't see his day. That was the contention of his whole ministry was that they knew the word, they knew the scriptures, but they couldn't see this, his day. One of his last, um, not necessarily rebukes, but it's his remorse for Israel is on his way uh, down, the, down the hillside into Jerusalem as he wept over the city. He said, if only you had known today if you could have just known the day of your visitation. His heart was broken for his own Jewish brothers because they had not seen his day. They were not seeing by faith. They had been deceived by traditions and by religion and they couldn't see the coming of Christ. That's kind of where we've been. We're trying to make some connections. And so we have gone into some familiar passages to, to make some points about as, as the cross of Calvary and the effect of the cross and how the, it can liberate our lives. As I took you into Galatians, the third chapter, and we're going to get there in a few moments, uh, and we begin to learn that if we are of faith today, the Apostle Paul gives us a revelation that we are also blessed with faithful Abraham. Now, let me go a little a little bit further. I have an ulterior motive here today as a pastor. And my motive is this. I, my motive is what would happen to you if you would begin to see your relationship with God differently than you see it today? What would happen if you began to see a, a change, your, pers your perspective of God and your relationship with him? If you're downcast, disheartened, in distress, going through traumatic seasons of life, the ups and downs of life, you felt depressed, oppressed. What would happen if you could see who God is a little clearer and what he's done in you and for you and will do through you if you believe? I believe that your whole countenance will be affected. I believe that's why the Bible says, lift up your eyes to the hills from whence cometh your help. I believe a change would be made. How many of you know that sometimes necessarily a change doesn't start outwardly, it starts inwardly? When we begin to see life differently, our perspectives change. And when our perspectives change, then we can relate to situations altogether differently. And so I, that's my motive as a pastor See, Abraham was blessed to be a blessing, Genesis 12 and 2. I believe in covenant blessings that bless us to not just hoard blessings, but that blessings flow through us. I believe that you can live your life with a perspective that as long as you're in the middle of the situation, God's going to bless it. He's going to give favor and grace. He's going to give you wisdom. He's going to give you discernment. He's going to allow his great anointing to be upon your life and the situations. The Bible promises David, promised David, whatever he set his hand to do would be blessed. And I believe that that promise, you are blessed to be a blessing. What does that do to a darkened world when they see the favor of God upon the people of God? That gives us opportunity to reach them. Because they sit in darkness. And the only way that they're going to be broken out of that darkness is to see a great light sprung up. And if the church lives its life downcast, borrowing King James English, disheartened, 
distressed, confused, we're never going to make the difference God intended us to. God intends for us to be a city set on a hill that cannot be hid, walking in the joy of the Lord, having the grace of God flowing through us every day of our lives. Amen? Now, let me go a little bit further with this. Here's my doctrine. It's very simple. I believe, and I'm going to show you in the Word of God today, and we're going to do some old-fashioned posting on the Scripture, posting the Scripture on the screen, but I may actually go the old-fashioned route and actually... Thank you. Somewhere out there. Listen. Here's my doctrine. To the, the, when I say my doctrine, my teaching today, it's very simple. I believe that the Scriptures teach that the Gentiles who believe join the Jewish believers who believed first because the gospel first went to the Jew and the Gentile then joins that believing Jewish lineage and it, together we've made one new man. And that new man is the Israel of God. The Israel of God. Now, let me go a little bit further. I believe in Moses. A man of God, of, of, of anointing and a prophetical, you know, uh, judge of Israel. But remember this. The law came by Moses, John 1, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Okay, now remember this. On a mountain that we know as the Mount of Transfiguration, the, 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 the three disciples were in awe because they saw, they saw Moses and Elijah speaking to Jesus. Y'all remember that? They were in awe. They were Jews. They reverenced those two great leaders because they represented both the law and the prophets. And so when, when, when the, they had disappeared and Jesus was left alone, Peter was moved. He said, we're going to build three tabernacles. We're going to build one, the church of Jesus. We're going to build the church of Moses and the church of Elijah. And suddenly a voice from heaven was heard and said, this is my beloved son. Hear him. Moses was great, but he wasn't as great as Christ. Christ come bringing revelation that Moses did not have. Now, I believe that the great student of that revelation, given that revelation, was the Apostle Paul. He said, my doctrine did not, I didn't learn this of men. He said, I learned it by revelation of Jesus Christ. So if you want to understand the mystery, now remember this. In Galatians 3, we alluded to this. It's a transition from the second chapter there when he talked about the covenant promises of Israel. We're going to read those briefly in just a moment. But in the third chapter, the fourth verse, he said, I pray that when you read, you will understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. So here's this apostle that's been given the revelation of the inclusion of the Gentiles into the commonwealth of the house of Israel. And he's saying, as I write this epistle, my prayer is that when you read it, you're going to have an enlightening moment in your life that's going to change your perspective of your relationship with God. You're going to begin to understand that you are now included into this commonwealth and therefore afforded to you are the very promises made to Abraham. Glory to God. So now let's go into the scriptures for just a moment of time. We're going to backtrack our text. We're going to start in Ephesians, the second chapter. We're going to read a few verses of scripture. I'm going to do my best to, my best to read quickly, but I feel like I want to show you these passages because I've spoken of them in the last couple of weeks, not always turning to the text, and we're going to conclude today in the book of Romans. But let's just let the scriptures speak for themselves.
in Ephesians, the second chapter, the 11th verse. Here it says, Wherefore remember that you, being in times past Gentiles in the flesh, that's who I used to be, you were called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision, in the flesh made by hands. So he's saying the circumcised, the Jew, calls you uncircumcised and therefore you are considered not in covenant with God because the Jew considered circumcision the mark of the covenant. Now Paul has already in the book of Galatians afforded that the mark of the covenant is the cross and we believe in the cross. So faith in the cross is therefore the the mark of uh, the covenant. He said at that time you were without Christ, you were aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, you were strangers from the covenant. So y'all reading that with me? You were a stranger from the covenant of promise. You had no hope and you were without God in the world. 13th verse, but now in Christ Jesus, ye who were sometimes afar off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. That very blood that we sang about a few moments ago has brought us from the far side of a covenant with God and brought us near unto God. Does that make sense today? He is our peace who hath made both one. He broke down the, what is that one? Between the Jew and the Gentile. He has broken down that middle wall of partition between us. He's abolished in his flesh the enmity, which was the law of commandments. There'll be more about that, not today, but later in this series. Contained in ordinances, look at this, to make in himself of twain one new man. Are y'all reading that? So making peace. We're at peace with God. We're at peace with each other. We're at peace with those that are of the, of the true uh, Israel of God faith. And that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby. He came and preached peace to you which were afar off and to them that were near. That means he preached it to the Gentiles and he preached it to the Jew. For through him, through Christ, you and I, both, along with Jewish believers, have access by one spirit unto the Father. Now look at this 19th verse. Now therefore you are no more strangers and foreigners, but you are a fellow citizen with the saint and of the household of God. Listen, we belong here. Listen, if you come to my house and say, no, you, you, don't, this is not, you don't belong there, I'm going to say, no, wait a minute. My name is on the title deed along with this guy named Wells Fargo. I share the house with him. (laughs) One day I'll get rid of him. But if you came on my property and say, you know, I would say, no, I do belong here. I have a right to belong here. Are y'all hearing me? See, we have rights today. We are fellow citizens with the saints and we are the household of God. Covenant promises that belong to us in Christ Jesus. So from there, let's backtrack now to Galatians, the third chapter, and we're going to quickly go over. We're going to skim this very quickly because this is where we derived a lot of our doctrine from last week because I'm taking you to a culminating point in the book of Romans here in a few minutes because I want this to be so rooted down inside of you that you won't be like the lady was behind the counter at F.L. Davis looking at a television set, looking at an ancient people group and saying that's God's chosen people while you live your life in despair. But you'll say, no, excuse me, I'm a fellow citizen of the saints and I am of the household of God. I've got peace and mercy upon my life. I am the Israel of God. Come on, somebody. 
And so, in the, so the key was Abraham. Remember, I will teach you in the days ahead the distinction between the Abrahamic covenant and the Mosaic covenant. Abraham received blessing from God before the law. This teaching here says the law couldn't take it away from him. The law came 430 years later and couldn't take away the oath that God had spoken to Abraham. Abraham, sixth verse, believed God, third chapter, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. He didn't necessarily feel righteous. He may not always acted righteous. But God counted him as righteous. God will call things that be not as though they were. God just said, I know this is where you are in uncircumcision, and, but, and, and you're not righteous, but I'm going to call you righteous. And when God speaks it, you better know it's going to come to pass. He says, Know therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, the heathen there is referencing the Gentiles through faith, preached before the gospel unto Abraham. So Paul is saying here is that I'm not the first to preach the gospel. He's saying God preached the gospel to Abraham through the angel that promised him that, that the heathen would be blessed through him. In thee shall all nations, not just the Jewish lineage, come on, but all nations would be blessed. So then they which be of faith are blessed with who? Faithful Abraham. Come on, somebody. Verses 10 through 14 deal with the curse that's been removed. I'll go, I won't read it in its entirety, but that law has been removed and God has, has made Jesus the curse of the law for us. And so the Bible says he's redeemed us from the curse of the law. That's the 13th verse. Drop to the 14th verse. That the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that you and I might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Now, brethren, I speak after the manner of men, though it is but a man's covenant. He said, 15th verse, if it's confirmed, no man can disannul it or take it away. God said, if I've confirmed it, can anybody change it? Religion can't change it. Distorted teachings cannot change it. God said, if I've spoken, it, it's going to come to pass. It's there. It's permanent. It's perpetual. Now, to Abraham and his seed, notice this. This is one of the tipping points here that we won't go into great depth, but you've got to get this in your heart. He said the promise, he said, was not to seeds as of many, notice this, but as of one, and to thy seed, which is... Christ, and this I say, that the covenant which was confirmed before of God in Christ, the law 430 years later cannot disannul it. For if Paul is showing to both Jews and Gentiles that the inheritance is not of the law, he said, because if it's of the law, it's of work and it's not a promise. God said Abraham didn't receive it by the law, by his obedience to the law. He said, but he received the covenant by promise. God promised it to him. Oh, that's a good point to say amen. God promised it to Abraham. So now he's saying, well, what does, what's the purpose of the law? It was added because of transgressions till the seed should come to whom the promise was made. The promise was made to Abraham and to his seed, not seeds as of many, but seed as of one. It was ordained by angels. The law was in the hand of a mediator. Now, a mediator is not a mediator of one, but God is one. Read this further. We're just following this. Is the law against the promises of God? God forbid. There was only one weakness to to the law. What was the weakness to the law? It couldn't provide righteousness. He said if the law, if your obedience to the law could have made you righteous, then he would have allowed the law to stand. But that the law was insufficient to take away our sin. So the scripture has concluded, look at this, 22nd verse, whether you are Jew or Gentile, we have all sinned 
and come short of the glory of God. God's considered us all sinners, whether you are Jew or Gentile. We were all born into sin. So God's concluded us all sinners so that he could give the promise by faith in Christ Jesus to those that will believe. Let's read further just real quickly and we're going to get to Romans. But before faith came, we were kept under the law. We were shut up into the faith which should afterwards be revealed. The purpose of the law was the schoolmaster to point us to Christ, to provide justification through faith. But after faith has come, we're no longer under that schoolmaster. Are you all there? Right? Because we would be insufficient in our ability to fulfill the law. But we're, our justification not comes through our obedience to the law. Our justification comes by faith in Christ. That's what he said in Ephesians 2. It is by faith. It is by grace that you are saved through faith. And that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. All your works, even your good works, is the stench in the nostrils of God in the attempt to provide righteousness and justification. So therefore, God has deemed us all unworthy, all unholy, all unrighteous, and all sinners so that he can do what? He can have mercy upon us all. Hallelujah. What's the key for you and I? We must believe. God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. You and I have the ability to believe in a substitute. That substitute was Jesus Christ who died on Calvary's cross so that you and I could be justified by faith. Look at the 27th verse. As many of you have been baptized into Christ, have put on Christ, where there is neither, notice this, there's neither Jew nor Greek. Now, wait a minute. There's separation theology. There's the Gentiles, and then there's Jews, and then there's Israel, and then there's the church. But Paul is saying that in this Israel of God, in this new covenant, in this new man, in this one new man, there's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither bond nor free. There's neither male nor female. You are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, notice this, then you are Abraham's seed, and heirs according to the promises of God. Hallelujah. Romans chapter 2. Let's stay with it for a couple more minutes in just a few moments. I've got to culminate. I'm way behind. It's probably three weeks of teaching. I'm going to try to get in in about 45 minutes today. I've got to expedite it quickly. Romans chapter 2 is I'm going to skim a couple things. I'm going to have to omit almost in the entirety, but I want you to know this at least in a certain degree because it will help you so much. In Romans 2, Paul is once again, when I say it's all throughout the epistles, this is not done in a corner. It's all throughout the epistles. Paul is writing under inspiration of the Holy Spirit so that you, whether Jew or Gentile, will know that you are included in the covenant blessings of God. And it's not based upon your merit or your worth or your keeping the law. It's because of Christ, his atoning sacrifice, and if you believe. Now, we do believe that, that righteous works follow faith. We do believe that. Of course it does. You plant good seed in good ground, you're going to get a good... Come on now. It's my fault I told you to move it there, didn't I? Romans chapter number 2, 28th verse. He is not a Jew, which is one outwardly. Neither is that circumcision, which is outward in the flesh. But he is a Jew, which is one inwardly. Do you see that? He's a Jew, which is one what? Inwardly. In the spirit, not in the letter, whose praise is not of men, but of God. 
Now, Paul begins to pick up an argument that he concludes in the 9th, 10th, and the 11th chapters. He touches it from a different angle in the 3rd chapter. He says, okay, so if a Jew is not necessarily an outward Jew, it's an inward Jew. What he's combating is the idea that a Jew had the mark of circumcision that made him righteous in the eyes of God. And Paul is saying, maybe before the cross, but not after the cross. After the cross, the cross is that mark, and if you believe in your heart, your heart gets circumcised before God and you trust in the Lord. That's what makes you righteous before God. Come on, somebody. And that argument continues in the third chapter and the fourth chapter. And he reiterates things that I've already said to you about God concluding us all in unbelief. Every one of us were concluded as sinners. Even from David to Moses, all of us were concluded as sinners so that God through Christ could show mercy upon everybody. So that whosoever, 10th chapter of Romans, shall call upon the name of the Lord, shall be saved. Whosoever, right? Jew or Gentile, rich or poor, great sinner, evil sinner, or somebody who hasn't sinned very much at all. Doesn't matter. We've all sinned. You may have a lot of sin. Somebody else may have a little sin, but it doesn't matter. It makes us all Sinners. So God laid upon him the iniquity of us all. So a divine transaction was made at the cross. We deserve judgment because we were sinners. God was merciful. And so there was nothing that could provide atonement for us because even man's best efforts was still too shallow to provide redemption. So God shrouded himself in flesh in the person of his son. And when his blood was spilt on the cross, the Bible says it was precious blood and it released from us the obligation to our indebtedness so that you and I would no longer be indebted to God. You are therefore made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus when you believe. You are justified in the eyes of God. It is just as if you have never sinned, glory to God. And if you dwell on your old man, your old past, who you used to be, you'll beat yourself up and allow the devil and a carnal mind to beat you up. But when you begin to know that I've been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, the old man is dead, a new man has emerged. I am now walking by faith, hope, love, joy, by the power of God's great grace. Amen? That's why I mean when I talk about it, it will change your life. Jacob... After he wrestled with the angel, he walked with a limp from that day forward. What that means is he walked changed. The reason why people struggle, even in their Christian walk, is because they don't know who they are in Christ. I want to pull that, pull that over for me, somebody, if you would, right there, a couple of you guys. I'm going to show some. Time is going to make me, oh, Jesus. I could be like the Apostle Paul on this subject right here. You remember when he preached, the Bible says he preached to long into the night. <laughs> long in the night. And when he preached it long in the night, one man that was in the upper room fell down. Yeah, we don't want that. We don't know if our insurance will cover that here today. Paul wasn't the pastor. He was the apostle. He just prayed for you and moved on. I have to live with the leftover residue. Okay, let's go a little further here today, real quickly. Time is causing me to jump way ahead. That's why I left my notes, because if I followed my notes, it would be long afternoon. So I've got I've to I've take you somewhere. I want to put this statement down here real quickly. I want you to see this real quickly. Where's that little podium real quick? Somebody grab me that little podium. Is it over there, Daryl? Bring that to me just real quickly. So y'all stay with me. This is better than you get off TBN. I promise you that. Okay. Israel of God, right? The Israel of God. 
Right. The Israel of God. Is that how you spell it? Amen. E- huh? Okay. Make sure. Thank you. Thank you so much, Joe. Right there. Thank you. Okay. I want, I want to put something up here real quick. The promise was made to who? This argument is made. Now, here's what I want to show you real quickly. Time is going to make... You, I've told you before on Wednesday nights, you get this close to the screen, your spelling, your spelling kind of goes. You have to back up and look at it. The promise was made to Abraham. The ninth, the tenth, and the eleventh chapter of the book of Romans, Paul is revealing to us the mystery of this Israel of God. And there's a point that he's going to make, that he's going to use, that all the Jewish believers know about. He said this, and we'll just, just glean for it real, real quickly. He said in the sixth verse, let's go real quickly, ninth chapter, the sixth verse, real quickly, not as though the word of God had taken none effect, key verse, for they are not all Israel which are of Israel, seventh verse, neither because they are the seed of Abraham are they all children. Okay, notice what he said. Just because they descended from the loins of Abraham does not necessarily make them heirs to the promise. They're familiar with it. See, the Jews were familiar with that because they knew that Abraham's first son was who? Right, Ishmael, right? Right, he's called the son according to the what? The flesh, right? Then the son according to the promise was who? Isaac. Now, is it two? Is that it? Okay, now, also what a lot of people are unaware of, Genesis 25 tells us that when Abraham's wife Sarah died, he got married to Keturah, and Keturah produced him multiple sons. So a lot of times we are all only aware of these two, but he actually had multiple sons. He had other sons. But by now, he's already sent Ishmael away because God told him this. He said, that, he said the son of the flesh will not be son of the promise. So he sent Ishmael away. Genesis 25 says he took these other sons, he sent them away because they would not be heir to the promises. He didn't want that competition for the promises that belong to Isaac. All of Israel believed that because they recognized they descended from Isaac. So Paul is using this principle. It's a principle that he's trying to let everybody know because he wants to show them something. He's wanting them to see that just because they are now of Israel, the same principle applies. He's saying there are a lot of people now who are, look at this, he says they are descendants of Israel, but they are not all of Israel. Oh, are y'all catching that? Same principle. So he's saying, he's saying they are, some are of the flesh. What, do you, what, what is he using here? Paul is saying the Jews of his day that did not believe, though they came from the stock of Israel, they are not really of Israel. All right, are you hearing me? Because Paul understands the mystery. They had put their faith in the fact that they were national are natural descendants, correct? That's pretty good spelling for a Wilburnite, let me tell you right there. And so this is the argument that Jesus was making in John chapter 8. He said, you think that you're of the son of Abraham. He said, if you were of Abraham, you would believe in me. So faith, not national, natural selection in essence, It's faith. It's an election. Read that in the 10th chapter. It goes on and talks about the election. Does that make sense? So here's this argument. Let me just share. Time will not allow me to go into all the depth of this. You're going to have to look it up quickly, but I've got to summarize my conclusion because I'll go into it greater next week. I know I've already borrowed 40 minutes of your afternoon, but let me tell you real quickly. 
Here's what the, the Apostle Paul is saying. Well, who is true Israel? I don't think that's spelled right. Is that spelled right? Okay. Let's double check and make it sure. Let me ask Shane. Shane, is that Israel spelled? Just making sure. Okay, just double checking there. <laughs> Only about six of us know something there. Okay, real quickly. So who's Israel? Who is this Israel of God? Let's go back to Abraham. Abraham. The promise was given to him, right? Right? And he believed, right? He believed. So even down to the lineage of the Jewish people, Paul says throughout the whole history of Israel, they were, they were filled with unbelief. They were filled, there was unbelief. They were pagans at times. Can I be honest with you? Go read the book. They sacrificed their own children at times to pagan gods. They, 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 they were oftentimes, if you'll read that passage, they were just as evil as the other entities were. But Paul always said, there's this group right here. Paul said that God said there was always what? A remnant. Always. He said there's always a remnant. And he said even now there's a remnant. Okay? So Christ came. Christ came, right? And he was the seed of Abraham. Does that make sense? All right? And then the gospel goes forth. So this lineage is now continued. Abraham, the remnant, Christ. And the gospel goes first to the Jews. The Jews did not receive him. Remember, he came into his own, and his own received him not. But to as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the, the sons of God. So then, all Jews who what? Who believe are part of that lineage. Correct? Is that true? Go to the only time. I was supposed to take you and just show you. It's in the 11th chapter of the book of Romans. But time will not allow me to go verse by verse. We'll have to do that at a later time. So then where do you and I fit in here? This is what Paul described here in the tree. He described an olive tree. Okay? That's what he did. And he said these are the roots. The root would be Abraham. Right? The trunk would be Christ. Correct? And then there were branches. He said some branches did not believe. Some of these Jews didn't believe. What happened? Snapped them out of the way. And here's us Gentiles, sinners, pagans, uncircumcised, heathens. But we believed that when he said uh, that whosoever shall believe in the name of the Son of God shall be saved. And you know what God did? God grafted us into the olive tree. And together we join this lineage, uh, the Gentile believers, and collectively, guess who we are? We are the Israel of God. Glory to God. Yeah. Hallelujah. And you know what that means? That means you are heirs according to the promises. Amen. Hallelujah. By faith in Christ. My God. Now, let me conclude. I have chopped those notes all up. I believe it changes your perspective. Come on. Faith in him, what he did, changes your perspective. I'm blessed. I'm blessed of God by faith in Christ. I'm included in an ancient lineage all because of the mercy of God. 
Everyone in this lineage, apart from this one, was a sinner. But because of this one, he could make us all righteous. Come on. And become an heir to the covenant promises of God. Where there's neither Jew nor Gentile, bond nor free, male or female, we're all one in Christ Jesus. If you be Abraham's seed, you are heirs, come on, according to the promises of God. Lastly, and I close with this, what will it do for your life? Well, I'll tell you, it'll lift your life. It will, I'm telling you that when your perspective changes, everything changes. Let me give you a familiar story in closing today. It's in Luke chapter number 13. Jesus, Jesus occasionally did things just to aggravate those who didn't believe. Because, roll that back out of the way, Shane, if you would. So I'll go back on the platform so everybody can see me in closing today. Give your hand to my lovely assistant here, Vanna. <laughs> Pat Sajic has Vanna, I have Shane. <laughs> Let me give you this in closing today. This is very important that you see this. In Luke chapter number 13, Jesus, I believe, again, occasionally does things for not only the good of the people that he touched, but also to agitate the unbelief of the unbelievers, to confront them with their unbelief. He healed a woman. The people around him are frustrated because he healed on the Sabbath day. A life is changed, but it's on the Sabbath day, and they all get, they get all fired up and say, do it, on, do it any day of the week, but not the Sabbath day. A life was changed. That's where he taught the parable said, don't you let your ox out of his stall and water it on the Sabbath day? It was a woman. She was bowed over. Now you can join me on the platform if you would. For 18 years, here's how she lived life. The Bible plainly says she had a spirit of infirmity. See, the devil don't care whether you are a descendant of Abraham. Are you hearing me? If he can bow you over, bind you up, come on. Keep the blessing off of you, he will. She lived her life like this. Did she have children? Did she have grandchildren? Did she serve in the synagogue? If she did, she looked like this. She looked up like this. Until Jesus came. And when Jesus saw her, he healed her. And he raised her up. Didn't he? How many know when he raised her up, life changed? And here's what he taught through that experience. He said, Ought not Galatians, or excuse me, Luke 13, maybe the 18th verse, I'm not for sure. The 16th verse. Ought not this daughter of Abraham. Do you now know what she, what he's saying? She's in covenant with God. The devil has no right. Come on, somebody. The devil has no right to keep her life bowed over. She's a daughter of Abraham. She's got faith in me. And so therefore, she has a right to the covenant promises of Abraham. And he rebuked the devil. And the devil left. Her perspective changed, and instead of living life like this, she lived life like this. And the same will happen to you.
When you see that you are now an heir of God through Christ, you are of the seed of Abraham and you are heirs according to the promise. Glory to God. Everybody stand up today. Let's have a group prayer today. I want to see the church just come forward for just a moment of time. Just come forward. Let's just come forward. We're going to pray a closing prayer today. I know we brought people down. I know we pray. I know you got a busy afternoon. I, all these things. Y'all better watch it. And I may get to this and just, that may be what we do at the farm today. You better be careful. We may have a moment to just say, let's talk about this a little bit deeper. Come on, somebody, church family. This is what I mean. When you get the revelation, it will change your perspective. Does that make sense today? When you get the revelation that you have a covenant with God, made with Abraham, given to Christ, you are in Christ, the promises are afforded unto you. Live your life in confidence. The first promise afforded you is forgiveness. If you've sinned, what do I do? Confess. I can't take it back, can I? I trust it was atoned for. Right? If we confess our sins, how many know he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins? And to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The great gift God's given us that you and I can be free of our sin. Simply by trusting and believing and confessing. So if you're in this group today and there's sin in your life, confess it to God. Ask his forgiveness and walk differently from this day forward. Don't let the devil lie to you and say, well, you, you're always bound to live life that way. That's a lie. That's a lie. You will walk differently when that head lifts up. Come on, somebody. All the blessings, the promise, the Holy Spirit. God gives us the Holy Spirit, doesn't he? By faith, because we're children of Abraham. All and on the promises go. So I want our heads bowed and our eyes closed for just a moment of time. And I want to be honest. I want you to be honest with me right where you're at. I want those that would be honest enough to say, Pastor Brown, I've been living my life like the woman in Luke chapter number 13. I'm a daughter of Abraham, but I've been bowed over. Living below the covenant promises, not living with peace and joy, contention and strife around me all the time, and I don't believe today that that's the will of God for me. God wants to bless my life. I see that today. I am a part of the Israel of God. The revelation is coming to me, and I need the help of God. I need to live life differently. Quickly raise your hand and identify with me today. I'm seeing some hands go up today. Thank you, hand people being honest, saying they're just saying, I need to live life differently. Come on, thank you so much. That's honesty today in the house of God. That's not saying you're not a child of God. That woman was a daughter of Abraham, but Satan had bound her. What I want you to believe today is that you have a right to petition God. Now listen, we're going to pray. Those of you that didn't raise your hand, I know that you still desire to walk in this truth, don't you? Come on, everybody, don't you? You didn't raise your hand saying that you're, you're bowed over, but you want to walk in this, in this truth. Let me tell you what the, being a, a daughter or son of Abraham affords you. It says this, by Christ we have access to God. Does that make sense? That's how you come boldly to the throne room of grace. That's how you pray with confidence. You will not pray with confidence if you pray thinking you don't deserve anything from God. We deserve judgment. God took that away in Christ. Now he desires to bless you so he can bless through you to a lost and dying world. And so today, I want to encourage you in faith in the name of Jesus, you now have access to God. You ask God today, petition the Lord. Come to him on your own and say, God, 
Give me the strength to walk in the blessings of God. Give me faith to believe. God, I will walk differently today than any other time in my past, God, because my perspective has changed in the name of Jesus. Let us pray. Father, I pray over every man, woman, boy, and girl. First, to those who raise their hand. God, some of their lives have been very confusing. Some as a result of a satanic curse. Some of it is a result of their own decisions. Some of it is just simply a life in general. But God, in the name of Jesus Christ, we bind every unclean spirit. We bind the work of the enemy. We bind that demonic spirit if it's a spirit of infirmity, if it's confusion, the work of the devil, the work of the flesh. We bind the devil in the name of Jesus Christ and we command him to go right now in Jesus' name over every person that had the courage to raise their hand in Jesus' name. Satan, I rebuke you and I command you to go and get your hands off of the children of God. I pray over them today in faith. God, I pray right now for every man, every woman, boy, and